many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Superhumans, Boomer Anderson, I'm back. It's spring in Amsterdam. The sun is shining. I'm so happy. Today, we're going to be talking about productivity. It's another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast, and if our idea here is to upgrade your performance through a complex systems approach, one of the results of those upgrades is increased productivity. And so my guest today is Tommy Baker. Tommy Baker helps dreamers, visionaries, and entrepreneurs bring those dreams to life. He helps them create a life that they can't wait to wake up for, and he's the author of Unresolution, The 1% Rule, and his latest book, The Leap of Your Life. Tommy believes that living up to our potential is what we're here for. You can see why we may get along. Through his writing, coaching, and podcast, Tommy has helped thousands of people take their next bold step and never look back. He's been featured in Entrepreneur, Influensive, Thought Catalog, and so many more publications. You can check out his website at resistacademy.com. So what did Tommy and I get into on this podcast? Well, of course, we talked about his new book, The Leap of Your Life, but I really challenged him on his background. You know, a couple of years ago, Tommy, much like myself, he did the Horace Greenlee, moved west, young man, and grow with your country, whereas I went to Europe. But we talked about really his thought process as he went through that decision himself, because that decision, that leap, is not an easy one for anyone. We get a lot of people here listening who may actually be contemplating that leap, and Tommy goes through some actionable steps where you can think through that leap in a logical way. We talk about the integration experience and how you can take a five-year vision and PV it, using a finance term, to day one, and really start to motivate yourself to get out of bed every day. Because I know, and I'm sure all the high performers listening to this know, that getting out of bed every day and showing up at your best is sometimes a challenge. You can check out the show notes for this one at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Tommy, but enjoy my episode with Tommy Baker. Sponsor for this episode is the ring on my finger. No, I'm not married yet. And frankly, before this ring, I hated wearing rings, but I must say the guys at Aura have done a great job. The Aura ring allows me to track all sorts of crazy things about my sleep, including my resting heart rate, my deep sleep stages, my REM sleep, etc., etc. I really enjoy the feedback and it allows me to make lifestyle decisions to become a higher performer. Let me give you an example. So prior to getting the Aura Ring, I would fast essentially 16 hours after my last meal. It didn't matter when that last meal was. However, when I look at my resting heart rate and how that really correlates to my performance the next day, I know I want my lowest resting heart rate coming as soon as possible after going to sleep because that's when all my recovery really starts. So what did I do? Well, it allowed me to adjust really when my last meal was before going to bed. So I have my last meal now earlier in the night. I get better sleep. I get higher quality sleep. And I must say, the next day feels amazing. So if you want to check out the Aura Ring, and if you want to pick one up yourself, go to AuraRing.com. That's O-U-R-A Ring.com. Plug in the code BOOMER and you'll get $50 off your order or 50 euros depending on your jurisdiction. I really hope you enjoy the ring and on with the show.
Tommy, welcome to the show. Boomer, thank you so much for having me. Love what you're doing here and uh, really excited to be here today. So let's kick things off with a little bit of a Horace Greenlee moment for you and when you went west, young man, to grow with the country. <laughs> uh, part of this podcast is going to be about taking leaps and kind of bold decision making. And you made one of those yourself, right? about three years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if, if, if I look back, I mean, made several and made several since then, but I think we all can, can find a moment in our lives where we knew we had to do something. There was fear, there was trepidation, but guess what? There was also excitement. There was also something pulling us and we stepped into it and we didn't really know what was going to happen, but that didn't actually necessarily matter. What mattered is that we actually took a shot. So for me specifically was uh, living on the East Coast and just knowing that I was going down the path that just wasn't for me uh, from an environmental standpoint and even from a business standpoint. So I have to get really honest. I wake up in five years, where am I? But not only like where am I like physically, but where am I mentally, emotionally? What's going on in my day to day? What were you doing then, if you don't mind me asking? So yeah, so at the time I had uh, a physical training business, uh, two, two, two locations on the, on the East Coast and helping people do physical transformation, which is something that I love, the performance aspect of physicality. But I realized that what I really loved was what was happening in between the ears. Why would someone, why would you come into the facility and why would someone with a similar background, similar demographic, psychographics, and you would see incredible results and they would stay in the same place? Like what was going on internally? And that was my obsession, man, which I know resonates with you. But I got to a point where I said, you know, this is working. It's, it's working. And that's, uh, that's one of the traps that can happen when things are quote unquote working and we have achieved some, it becomes even harder to make bold decisions because let's face it, making a bold decision when things aren't working is, is pretty easy because you got really nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. But when you got something to lose, it carries more weight. And that's how we can get stuck in a place of comfort and not in a place of what I like to call thriving, where we're consistently seeking the challenge and we're excited about the next day and we have something that's pulling us. Mm-hmm. So, Walk us through that that experience for you. Did you just kind of shut it, shut down shop and kind of hop on a motorcycle, drive across the country, or how did it work for you? I love that visual. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Motorcycle Diaries, where they take this road trip through South America. Uh, and, uh, che Guevara. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, it actually started with getting really clear on a New Year's Eve uh, evening. That's not, by the way, that's not a night where most people get clear. If anything, they get a little <laughs> bit blurry, right? No, they get something, but it's not clear. But just, again, you know, I think we have these, not, not I think, I know we have these moments of clarity that come sometimes during ordinary moments, sometimes they're in extraordinary moments, but it's what we do with them after. And, uh, and that night I just, I felt like I was going in the wrong direction. And I needed, I needed to get out. And so I was actually at a restaurant that evening and uh, I'm with a bunch of people and I, I don't even know if I excuse myself. I actually wrote about it in the book. I don't even know. And I just started walking because I needed some space and I needed space figuratively. I needed space, you know, metaphorically, I, all of that. And I came across a, uh, you know, an empty field, which is, which is kind of rare back there, but, but you know, in, in that part of, uh, of the country. And I just had one of those moments where it said, you know what, um, I'm going to make a, a change and, and I'm going down the wrong path and I'm going to shift the business that I'm in. I'm going to change my environment. At the time, I was like in and out of very mediocre, uh, decent at best, you know, relationships. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to attract and find someone who's just blows my mind. Cause that's my standard. Um, but here's the deal. I had no blueprint. I had no plan. 
We had just signed a, another five-year lease on one of the you know, biggest, most expensive buildings, but I committed. And there's a difference between when we make a decision born out of commitment and when we make a decision you know, with one foot in, one foot out, one foot in, plan B, plan B, plan C, plan D. Like there's an energy that comes with it. And we've all been there when we made that decision that we didn't know, but we really stepped into it powerfully. And uh, dude, I had no prospects to, to sell this business at all. You know, it was very, it was me, like I was such a part of the business and I was still entrenched in the business. And, you know, we had a, a staff, but still it was a lot of me. And after that declaration, uh, within two weeks, I uh, got a, a phone call and said, you know, hey, we're, we're interested in uh, your business. We're looking to buy a gym. Let's have a conversation. Beautiful. And that, that started the path of, okay, letting go and, and, and being able to, to come out West to get on the, on the motorcycle. Although it wasn't as sexy, it was actually a, a U-Haul, but close. <laughs> <laughs> so not a Sons of Anarchy moment or even a Che Guevara moment, but more <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know, what is it, the Beverly Hillbillies <laughs> or something? But, something like that, yeah. <laughs> but um, okay, so you've made it out and you're, you're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Was that the first place you stopped or did you go somewhere else before? No, but you know, basically, you know, straight shot four days. Um, and, uh, and yeah, straight, straight to Scottsdale. Okay. So you've made this big leap now for somebody, you mentioned the word, some keywords here that I want to play with, but also, uh, for somebody, there's a lot of people listening right now who are in this situation where they're either, I don't always love the world word potential, but they feel like they're not living up to their potential or they're stuck in a situation where they know that they're, they don't want to be there. And they're going to this job day to day, day in, day out. They're working for an organization that love. What was, just walk us through, you know, some of the analysis that you went through in your head that said, you know what, it's time to make that leap. I mean, you mentioned you didn't like exactly what you loved what you're doing, but you became obsessed with the mind space. But what were some of the other things that kind of gave you confidence that make that leap? Yeah, you know, honestly, the biggest thing was using, and it's, it's one of the tools that I teach on now, and it's called reverse visualization. Okay. You know, we, we talk about visualization for performance and, and the things that we want to do, and, and that's great. But reverse visualization is a way to, to, to take a future possible pain or a possible regret or something that we don't want if we stay on the same path and amplify it and really go really deep into it and then reverse engineer it to bring it down to today. And then that makes the decision of, uh, that we have to make today much easier. So for me, I literally looked down five years down the line. And listen, I, I had a, my vision at the time was to, to create 20, 20 gyms, 20 locations, and committed to that. Was that possible to create? Absolutely. But I asked myself, in that state, how fulfilled am I? And dude, I'm not talking like I was in the, you know, on my knees moment, like despair, right? You know, because sometimes it takes crisis for people to get there. But I just... I had experienced what a life of thriving is and a life, life of alignment is. And I've been on the other side too. I've been a life of uh, survival and not thriving. And, you know, they're two different worlds. So I didn't want to start letting myself off the hook and start going down that path. So it was as simple as, okay, I have this, I have this feeling today that I've had for the past three, four, five months. If I stay on this path for five years, and even if I accomplish the things that I'm looking to, to, to create, how do I wake up? How do I engage in relationships? What is my level of presence with the people around me? What is the level of presence and fulfillment internally with myself on a daily basis? What is the self-talk that's happening every single day? And I didn't like what I saw there, which meant that I had to make a, a, a change, which I had to make a new decision. So you went for a wholesale change there. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it is wholesale changes, but sometimes, you know, the quote unquote leap, and, you know, sometimes it's the small things 
that, again, they're going to re- still require the same ingredients. They're going to require courage, radical honesty, all of that stuff, uh, you know, pushing past their comfort zone. So sometimes it's the small stuff because I don't like to overwhelm people. Sometimes it is the small stuff that's going to allow you some space to breathe and some space to think. Because if you're overwhelmed, it's very hard to think beyond your current circumstances. Mm-hmm. Let's go into this aspect of reverse visualization because I I, I like this and I like this kind of practice that you've developed here. But sometimes, you you mentioned, sometimes people need crisis to move. How do you encourage people who are not at crisis moment that you may see, like there could be clearly crisis in the, the future for them? A perfect example that I have from my own life is, potential client coming up to me saying, I have extremely elevated blood sugar. He's type two diabetic, but he doesn't want to do anything about his diet. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on the internet, but I do think that there's very simple corrections that he could make. Uh, how do you kind of work with that? So, and just like you said, uh, a crisis or an impending crisis, even if it's far away is going to have some proof and, uh, it's going to show itself much earlier than when we hit that full-blown crisis. And so just in the context of, let's say, like a relationship, right? You know, let, the crisis, let's say, is the divorce moment. But if we just look back, we can look at so many moments where we slowly slid into that. So many moments where we stopped the affection, when we stopped you know, uh, a lot of the intimacy when we stop doing consistent date nights, when we stop telling them how we feel. I mean, and so the way that we, the way that we do this is like, start looking at inventory. And I just call this non-emotional inventory of the different areas of our lives. And you almost want to look at it. I, I call it looking at it like with an autopsy approach because we don't want to get our emotions involved in it yet. We just want to look at it very, just from a very objective standpoint and start to look at some of the data associated with that. And it's like, okay, if you look closely enough from an non-emotional place, you can start seeing whether you're headed towards a crisis or you're going on the path that you want to be. And if you're headed towards a crisis, well, use a tool like this. Take yourself to that place because, yes, crisis can be a powerful place to change from. It's also a debilitating place to change from. So let's not, let's not wait for that because it's going to happen if we stay on the same track. So let's get ahead of it. Okay. So let's go down non-emotional inventory because I think this is extremely useful for people just to do a regular check-in in general. And, you know, I may have different language for it, but you, you mentioned non-emotional inventory. How do you go through that process with somebody because, or how do you do it with yourself, for instance, because I think this is very valuable exercise for people to go through like on a quarterly basis, at least. Absolutely. So the way that I do it is uh, once a year, I'll do a full day. And then every quarter, it's like a few hours, maybe a half day. And then every week is about 45 minutes. And then if I'm really on my game, then every day I'll do like a five to 10 minute check. And what we want to do here is again, our emotions cloud our clarity. When we have emotions, we create narratives out of those emotions to give those emotions meaning. And many times we find that those aren't true. And so we're operating off really false data, false stories, false narratives, but those are going to impact our behavior. So we have to, again, get it out on paper. And this is why, you know, I think of my whiteboard in my office. I think of my journals. It's important to get it from out here 
out here, even just the process of getting it out of our swirling 65,000 thoughts a day or whatever it is and getting it out on paper and just saying, hey, here's where I find myself physically. Here's where I find myself in my business, entrepreneur, or my career. Here's where I find myself with my spiritual connection. Here's where I find myself with my relationships. And I like to do just two or three bullet points on each and, tr and find the data that's like the most non-emotional that tells the true story of what's happening, right? And, and take a step back. And I look at the, each of them and I say, okay, is this, am I headed on the right path, right? Is this what I want? What is this telling me? And that's when we can really start because how often do we not do that? How often do we have these clouds, these clouded uh, narratives in our head and we're making assumptions instead of actually looking at the real objective inventory of where we find ourselves. Okay. So I love this because I, I'm, I mean, you and I have talked in the past, but I love data. So what kind of data points are you kind of looking here at here? Physically, I feel like that's a pretty easy one. Relationships tends to be a little bit more vague. What kind of data points do you use? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest usually are going to be the physical uh, and the in the business and the and the career. Um, in terms of like, okay, this is, you know, as an entrepreneur, this is this is my revenue, this is my profit, or if you're in a, an executive, like this is um, you know, this is uh, this is my salary, and this is. But we also, we also do have to look at some of the. So that that this is the first step, and I want to I want to finish answering your question. In relationships, you know, have some type of metric. So, you know, how many how many experiences have you created in your relationship? How many date nights have you been on? You know, in the past ninety days. How many times you have know? you had sex? Right, like the there. Yeah. There, there's a good metric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The more, the more data points, the better, because that data is going to tell a story. Um, and then in your spiritual connection, whatever you define that for me, that's okay. How many flow tank sessions did I do this, this month or this quarter? Uh, how consistent was I with my daily meditation? What spiritual text or retreat or experience or something that pushed me past my comfort zone uh, did I engage in? Right. And so that's the, that's the, that's the non-emotional. Now for some of these you know, it's important to like, let's say for the career one, we look at the career one, we say, okay, this is my salary. This is how long I've been there. These are the growth opportunities. But once we've done the non-emotional, it's also important to ask, okay, we start with non-emotional, then we can get, we have clarity, we can get into the feelings like, okay, how fulfilled am I with that on a daily basis? How, uh, you know, am I being challenged in a purposeful and meaningful way with my work? A lot of the reasons why we get stuck in what I call the land of comfort is that there's, there's no challenge anymore. We're kind of going through the motions. We've built this, this security system, but we've built some safety, but there's nothing on the horizon that's challenging us. So start with non-emotional inventory, get as many data points that are relevant, right? And then go down the list again now with the lens of, okay, how do I feel about this? Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly journaling through this. And I, I love the practice of journaling myself. For you, is there any significance on paper versus, let's say, doing it in Evernote? Big, big change. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Talk about this because like for me, I, I kind of go back and forth between the two just because I like, I like the idea of Evernote, right? And just being able to keep my brain somewhere. But I see value in paper. Talk to me about how you experience that. Absolutely. And again, this is going to be more from my, my life experience and what others have experienced, but I know that there's some great research on this. There is just something, there's an undeniable power to putting pen to paper, getting, getting the thoughts out, getting clear, 
and doing it from a manual component where there's no screen stimulus, there's no barrier, you're actually feeling it. And just that sensation of going through it, it's like there's a release that to me is hard to replicate digitally. Now I write in 2000 and this last year, I wrote uh, over almost 700,000 words, you know, digitally. So I read a lot digitally, but nothing can compare to that clarity, at least early on. You know, sometimes if we do this, I would say, hey, start with a journal. And then if you want to have a living digital document on it, transfer it over in some capacity, maybe even take a picture. But there's just so much power in, in you know, putting pen to paper. You know, there's a great tool called Morning Pages, which is a, a creative release in the morning where you write three pages of just whatever comes out. Um, but there's a reason it's done on paper. And for me, journaling is something I didn't really start to take really seriously uh, until about 18 months ago. Of course, I had done it for about seven years, but I took it really seriously. Um, and so now I do journaling for clarity to release emotions. Now I do journaling to see where I am. Now I do journaling to deconstruct peak experiences. So when you have an amazing experience, like I had a hike in Arizona here and I just had a, a powerful experience. I was in a flow state. How did I make that happen? Or we had a great conversation. What were some of the ingredients to make that happen? Because when we do that, we start, our, our brain will recognize those patterns in the future and we can recreate those peak experiences. And so these are just some of the tools that, that journaling invites. But like with any practice, your level of intention and your level of presence is going to dictate how deep and how fulfilled and the results that you get from it. Mm -hmm. Do you find it takes away at all from your creative writing process? This is probably more of an aside just for me, but you know, selfishly, I want to know the question, the answer to the question. Cause like journaling takes time. Journaling takes thought. Does it take away from your creative writing process at all? I believe it enhances. Yeah. A hundred percent. Because like after I've done that journaling, I feel like I've, I've, I've shed some skin Whatever that, whatever that is. Sometimes that's great stuff. Sometimes that's random stuff. But then when I step onto the, the real work, which for me as a, as a writer, because I write every day, then I, I'm, I feel much more in tune and much more connected with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So we, we've got the, the big leap. We've got people in a, a spot of inventory and taking inventory on their life. One of the common things that all high performers have is like, for lack of a better word or lack of a better phrase, that ability to wake up and show up every single day. How do you work with people to make, or how do you do it with yourself? And showing up every day when you're an entrepreneur, that's freaking hard, right? You've got a lot of people telling you no, uh, or a lot of people saying, come back to me in the future. How does that, how do you do that? It, it, it comes from knowing what you're fighting for, knowing what the mission is, knowing what the deeper meaning and purpose, and I know purpose is a word that's thrown around so much, but anything done with purpose is something that we don't have to be motivated for. We don't have to feel like doing it because uh, we're committed to it and we have a bigger reason. And usually that reason is bigger than just ourselves. And I always tell people for performance early on, it can be about you, but if you want to tap into something much more powerful, make it bigger than you. Because the way that we show up for other people, when there's other people on the line, and we've done also done the internal work completely changes. And so, you know, people ask me all the time, how are you so consistent? How are you so disciplined? You know, I actually, I, I did write, I wrote five books in three years, I, I threw two of them away, because they're total crap. <laughs> um, That's and people will say, like, isn't that really hard? And you know, writing a book is hard. And I say, 
Well, not really. If, if, if the reason why most people don't finish books is because there's no deeper purpose behind it. Performance, when it's tied to something that's deeper, is exponential. Anybody can create incremental performance, right? Without something that's really meaningful. But when you have something that's more meaningful, that's when the exponential results, that's when you step into it every single day. Because if you don't do it, a part of yourself misses out. And not just you miss out, but the people around you miss out, the people that you're serving, people in your life, they miss out too. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend somebody discover this? Because this isn't easy, right? It's, (laughs) um, it's one of those things that, you know, I mean, uh, frankly, sometimes like I have to reconnect with it, but uh, I think we all do. But how did how did you go about discovering it? How do you work with people to do that? Absolutely. And I like what you said. So this is not about going to the Himalayas and spending two weeks in meditation and figuring out your life. That, that does sound actually very nice, though. <laughs> I know. I was gonna you want to go? That's you awesome. want to go take a trip to Tibet? Like that? That would be a good idea. <laughs> when we have conversations like this, there's there's too much pressure on this, and then people do nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I always say, you're not gonna find this. You're not gonna find this type of clarity in the chaos. You're not gonna find this type of clarity in the noise. I literally start out with people. People tell me like they don't know. I say, okay, for the next three to six months, you're going to give me 10 minutes of undistracted, uninterrupted space where you can take your mind to places and just open up your imagination, the possibility and see what starts to come through. And then you're going to journal some of the themes that come up time and time again. And we notice the patterns and the themes and all of that stuff come time and time. And you basically answered it because you said, you know, it's something that we, we, tap into, you know, all the time. And if you start doing it every day with this type of stuff, I believe uh, consistency matters more than intensity, because if you spend those 10 minutes every single day, the answers will really start to come up. You'll know, you'll know what the next step is. And again, I'm not saying it has to be something monumental or transformative because this type of conversation, guess what? It's an evolution. And the deeper that you start moving towards it, the more time that you spend with it, the more that it starts to open up. Right. And so take the pressure off. I like to say, take the pressure off purpose, right? Choose to live purposefully with intention today, right? This conversation, we could do it. You and I could show up to this conversation in two different ways. We could show off off purpose without intention, and we're going to get a very predictable result. We're going to miss everybody. And we're also going to miss the experience for both of us. Or we can show up with the way that we have, which is with intention and with purpose. And then we're going to get, not only we're going to get the result that we have, you and I are going to finish this and be like, we're going to feel that level of fulfillment. So everybody out there can do that today with the things that they're already doing, but create some space in your life. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you have so much going on. I know there never seems to be enough time. One day, if if you continue on the same path, the time is going to be created for you in the sense of some type of crisis or some type of interruption where you have no option, but to take a time out. Let's not wait for that. Let's start to create that space today. And I love the stuff that you talk about on the podcast. Flow tanks are fantastic. The meditations, all of the stuff, all of the tools that you, the toolkits that you provide, they're going to give you some insights. Awesome. Awesome. So can we get into the, the integration experience? Because, and correct me, you know, we can go somewhere else if this is not the right point in the conversation, but walk us through the integration experience, because I think this is very relevant to a lot of the people listening. Absolutely. So the integration experience was created after, you know, for me personally, being involved in this space over the last decade um, and going to a lot of places where it's like, 
hey, we're gonna we're gonna extract your your big vision. We're gonna extract your big why, and it's it's powerful peak emotional experiences. But then I would wake up, you know, two weeks later, and <laughs> you wake up on beer. wake up on Monday, and it's just not there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's like a I've been to a Tuesday. few of those events. <laughs> yeah, and it's Tuesday morning. It's raining. I didn't get a lot of sleep, and I have like now I feel like worse because now now I know that I had this inspiring moment, but I can't even I don't know what to do with it. And uh, and again, it started with self preservation because I really wanted a way to reverse engineer that vision because I do believe it's it's important to have a vision, right? But again, if the vision and sometimes the vision is so. It's, it seems so far out there on this mountaintop and we're all the way over here that it's like, how do I actually close that gap? And so we actually never actually get started or we don't last or we don't stay consistent enough to create the momentum and to bring that to life. So the integration experience was designed to go from all the way from that vision to bring it all the way down to the simplest step that you and I can take today. And it has to be so simple that it almost becomes, Boomer, you weren't able to do that today. Come on, man. Like that's, that's a little ridiculous, right? Now there's a whole framework in between that where we take the, 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 the grand vision, what I call the North star, which is that guiding compass. Cause we've got to have a compass that's going to guide us um, through the storms of life, through the uncertainty, and then reverse engineer that to the one year. Then we reverse engineer that to 90 days. I like to set all my targets to 90 days. Cause I've found you can create a year's worth of results. If you compress the time frame to 90 days, we go to 90 days and then we 12 weeks, and 90 days. And then we reverse engineer that to the day all the way down to today. Because I wanted to take the figuring it out away from it. The how? Because we're never going to know every step of the way. But as we, if we can keep today's action steps simple enough that we move forward to it, what starts to happen? We create the clarity. We start to get, you know, doors start to open, opportunities start to open, the performance starts to increase. And now the gap went from, th- from here, starts to close a little bit. And when the gap starts to close, we feel like not only it's possible, but it's going to happen faster. And that's where I wanted to take people. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little deeper on the significance of 90 days? Because I I think there's some science behind 90 days as being like a very good sprint time for people. But you know, how, how did you come around to discovering that yourself? I did it because I would set these one year goals and then get lost. (laughs) Yeah. Four or five months in. Yeah. Right? In one year, I want yeah. my business to have five million in EBITDA, <laughs> and you just kind of yeah. like, oh, I'll get to that in December. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, personally, I, I've considered myself a high performer, very ambitious, very driven, very motivated. But you know, setting these one-year goals and then waking up with no clarity or direction around them really started to eat away at my belief and my capability and my confidence. So I said, you know what, um, you know, we, there. You just notice, noticing my human behavior, noticing other people's human behavior, looking into the research, it's like we operate amazing during compressed timeframes. I mean, we do stuff that is just so monumental and so incredible when we have no other option, right? And so we can take, you know, what I like to do is that 90 days is enough time for you and I to really see powerful results that are going to move the needle in life and business. But it's also close enough where it's like today, it's Thursday. And if, if I'm in a 90-day sprint and I know my 90-day targets, what I do today still matters. Yeah. And if I miss today, that's actually, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I'm not saying it's like it's game over, but it actually matters. So what does that do? We manufacture the urgency to bring all of this stuff to life. Because in a world where we're so distracted and we have so many options and so many things that we could do, 
less is more. I like to say, and I took this from somebody else, mastery is the disciplined pursuit of less. So with the 90 day targets, it's like, okay, let's, let's take all the potential options. Let's choose the most important one, the one that's going to be the linchpin to get us to the next level. Right. And let's, let's bring that down to right here. And in 90 targets, it's going to be specific. It's going to stretch us when we set it, it should scare us. We should be thinking about how am I going to do that, but also be you know, practical enough where we have the confidence to bring it to life. And I think it really comes from um, the entrepreneur, Peter Thiel in his book, zero to one, he gives an example of, he asked a, an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, what's your 10 year vision? What's your 10 year plan? And the guy responded and he said, okay, how can you make that happen in six months? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a little extreme, but it's the same ethos of if we give ourselves a year, it's going to take a year or we might not do anything. If we get our, give ourselves nine months, Again, it's going to take nine months, but if we compress it down, then we are focused, then we are diligent, and we execute on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Peter Thiel's great, and I, I ask that question of myself always because you know you and I we run businesses, right? And it's just sort of like, how do you get your tier ten year goal in ninety days or whatever it is? And it, it's crazy some of the answers you can come up with, and also how people how some of the decisions you have to make on a day-to-day -day basis fall away, right? Like yes. a lot of these things just aren't that important. Uh, Gary Keller wrote yes. a book on this called The One Thing, which is- Oh, love it, dude. It's a great book. Um, okay, so speaking of that, let's get, how do you, because as we're kind of building our, or we have our 90-day plan, we brought it PV'd back to one day one. This is what we have to do. How do you weed out the many different opportunities that come up in, in this life, because I can think of my own. There's 10,000 different opportunities. You only have time to do one. You have limited bandwidth. You have limited staff. How do you do it? That is always going to come down to the vividness of the clarity that you and I have at any, at any moment in regards to our 90-day target, the season of our life in business, and then our grander plan. So I'll just give you the example of uh, a vegan. You know, a vegan knows who they are, and they have a philosophy about eating. So when they walk into a restaurant that's not in California, most of the menu is off limits. So they can literally, they don't have to exp expand willpower, decision fatigue, going back and forth. Should I get the chicken? Should I get this? Should I add that? It's like, dude, 80% of the menu is off limits or 90%. So they have one or two options. And so they look at the menu. That's exactly what I'm going to have. And then they have more capacity and more bandwidth for the rest. And that's just a metaphor for our lives. So if you have clarity on who you are, which is that philosophy piece and what you want, what you desire, your outcome, your targets for 90 days, whatever it is, then it actually becomes pretty easy. So I'll just give you an example. Right now I'm in the, you know, I'm, I'm launching this book and it's the season of launching the book. So within the season of launching the book, I'm doing, I'm saying it's very easy for me to make decisions. You know, it's either a yes or it's either a no, but it's all going to be under the compass of this season, which is launching the book. And really for me, it's getting this message in as many people's hands as I can. Now, next season, my business is going to have a different, a, real, a different target. So things may change, but it's knowing what season you're in, getting really clear and, you know, being comfortable saying no, right? Because when we say no, we get more yeses that are in line with what we're doing uh, in this moment. And I always say indecision is a dream killer. I talk to so many people, and these are even high performers, people who are doing great things, who live in a land of paralysis analysis, indecision, going back and forth. And I'm talking about small stuff and big stuff. Like indecision around like, 
travel plans or restaurants or indecision around marketing strategies or what, you know, it goes the whole spectrum, but our minds don't really, you know, the, the cognitive load of a decision, we don't know, like if it's, we're choosing between a restaurant or a marketing strategy, like it's going to be very similar. And so are we wasting our willpower on the things that don't matter? Mm -hmm. So aside from heuristics, how do you break the analysis paralysis? Because like for me, having a decision framework works really well. I'm sure you've worked with a lot of people that don't have that framework and maybe are sitting there on their spreadsheet and either, you know, actually I calculating IRR is a pretty easy one, but just how do you rip through that uh, with somebody? You know, again, it ha if, if we have clarity on where you're going, the decision becomes, it, it, this happens all the time. I'll give you examples of uh, something I've dealt with recently. Someone who is in the trenches of their business all the time, they've been stuck at the same revenue for, I don't know how many quarters and they know they need to make a key hire, but guess what their paralysis analysis on for the last six months has been the hire, the finances, should I do it? Should I not do it? And it's like the reason that you're not where you need to be the reason. And he's starting to, this, this particular person starting to feel less fulfilled, less challenged, less excited. Why? Because they're not making the decision that they know that they have to make. And so we have clarity around their goal. Okay. This is my revenue goal. Okay. So the biggest the biggest linchpin for that revenue goal is getting him out of the trenches into the creative side of marketing and revenue producing activities. And that comes only with the hire. But again, this person was lost in paralysis analysis. And so sometimes it requires, you know, uh, a powerful outside perspective because again, we can get lost in the emotions of the game. And that's why I say we all need perspective and on the curve of performance and achievements and all of that stuff, as we go up that curve, we need more perspective, not less. Because why? Our blind spots are harder to see, but 10 times more costly. You know, when you're at the bottom, your blind spots are obvious and they don't cost that much, you know, besides your current circumstances. But when you're on the growing in your performance, those small blind spots, I mean, that could be millions of dollars. That could be incredible amounts of cost. And that's where outside perspective comes in. Some of be like, this is the, like, this is the decision that's in front of you. It's so obvious. And at that time, at that time, that's when we decide to, to heed their advice and, and make it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the book because you're, you've released this book and you know, there's, there's a lot in it and there's a lot of good stuff that we shared on the podcast today, but what would you want the audience to know about the book specifically? Yeah. The biggest thing is too often we put things off that we know we have to do today and we can get consumed in the small decisions that really don't do anything at the expense of this stuff that really matters. Um, so a big part of the book is designed to one, get you clear on what that next big decision is two, how to navigate it three, the opportunity cost of waiting, right. And what's going to happen after and how to, how to best deal with, you know, some of the emotions and uncertainty that's going to come after that. Um, so the book was really created from having really thousands of conversations with people from, you know, all levels, but really who know that there's something that they haven't done or haven't stepped into or something that needs to change. And they're letting a lot of time pass. And when time passes, what happens? We lose the enthusiasm. Fear starts to take over. Paralysis analysis goes on full tilt. And we get to a place where so much time has passed that we say something that was very important to us six months later, a year later we discount immediately because, because of the time that has passed. So I wanted to give people a framework to really step into that. And, and guess what? It's like people say, Tommy, I've taken 
taking a lot of leaps, a lot of bold decisions. Is this still for me? And the, the, the answer is absolutely. Because like we said earlier, sometimes we can have success and growth and achievement. And now that we have something to lose, we stop making bold decisions. And what happens? We slide right back into stagnation. We slide back into mediocrity. And we slide back into a place where we're like, this isn't fun anymore. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel alive with what I'm doing anymore. I don't feel in momentum. And often what's in the way is, is that next big leap. Yeah. I mean, life is too short, right? It's just like, take that leap because it, like you want to enjoy life. And, and if it's, something's holding you back, you might as well go. Yeah. And mortality is, a, you know, mortality, regret. I spoke to some of the best researchers in the realm of regret and regret can actually be very powerful. It's how we use it. You know, the researchers told me if most people use regret, and they ruminate over it and they go, they go back and forth in their mind about what they could have done, how they didn't do it in the past. And that leads to despair, apathy, hopelessness, lack of confidence, anxiety, depression, all of that stuff. But other people, they use past regret as leverage to make new decisions today that are going to lead to different outcomes. That was the question I was going to ask you. Like, how do you bottle that up? Because that could be an extremely powerful thing, right? Like, the past leverage of not talking to that girl when you were 16 years old probably made you go talk to the girl tomorrow, right? Yes, absolutely. It, it can, or it can become our identity and stop us cold. And so I, I want it because the truth is this was only created because of what you just said. Seasons in my life, opportunities in my life that I literally watched pass by. And finally, I said, enough is enough. Something needs to change. And so um, that's the framework that I wanted to give people, right? Remember what matters, do it. You know, when you have clarity, do something within 24 hours to make it real. Do something, even, even the smallest of things, that's going to that's gonna cement your belief in it. Boom. That last nugget right there is extremely, extremely valuable. Tommy, this has been amazing. Uh, I want to get into the final four questions now where we're just going, I, I want to drill down on a few things. But before I do that, I, I just more of a curiosity out of my because you know high performing entrepreneur to high performing entrepreneur would love to know what are your favorite kind of productivity hacks on a day to day basis. This isn't one of my normal four questions. I just totally want to ask you. No, it's great. Non negotiable airplane mode to start the day. Okay, how long? Uh, at least ninety minutes, and I try to push that. You know, that's like my that's my barrier, and I try to push that as much as I can. Um, again, really strict email rules, you know, don't check email until, uh, for me it's 9am, but again, I try to stretch that as long as I can. The Pomodoro method as a writer, just, you know, stacking Pomodoros saying like this week, I'm going to hit 15 Pomodoros. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's 25 minutes of intense work focused, no distractions, five minutes off. That's one block of, you know, one, one signal rep of Pomodoro. Um, and so in a week I'll try to do, uh, I'll aim for 15 single, uh, single reps on it. Um, those are, those are my favorites. Uh, and again, distraction free, you know, for example, when I go to my office, uh, a lot of times I'll leave the phone in my bag in the bag in the car, because if it's in front of me where it's too tempting and so much of focus and productivity is just availability. If it's there, if the muffin is right in front of you, you're going to see it 30 times that day and you're trying to lose weight to get rid of all that stuff. And it's the same thing with productivity and, and focus and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Is there any tech that you do use? Because, you know, there are like tech can be both blessing and curse, right? Is there any particular apps that you, you have to use on a day to day basis or no? Uh, specifically for focus or, or yeah, just in general productivity. 
Well, one of my favorites is, is uh, so I, I think it's funny that we track our finances so intensely, but we don't track a much more important resource, which is our time. time. Yeah. And, yeah. And so rescue time is a, is an app online that sends me a report every Sunday. It says, Hey, and you can set targets, et cetera, et cetera. It said, and my target uh, for the week is a 75 out of a hundred, at least on the productivity scale. So on Sunday, it's going to say, Hey, you spent this much time here, 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 here's your score. And going back to the review, the inventory, that's one of the things that I track in my business because we can track finances, but where's my time going and what are the inputs that are leading to those outputs? So that's, that's absolutely one of my favorites. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Let's get into the final four questions. What is one area that you think people should pay more attention to when it comes to improving their performance? A hundred percent. We can call it mindfulness. We can call it presence, all of that stuff. Uh, going back to what I just said about time, time is, you know, without getting philosophical, it's, it's an illusion. We can create it. It's malleable. We know that. And so spending 10 times, spending 10 times in meditation, right. Might seem like that, but what does that do to your sales call later that day? What does that do to your ability to think creatively later on about a marketing problem that you're having? So that would be my number one uh, performance for yeah, mindfulness. At the risk of being repetitive, I think it's a slightly different question. Uh, top trick for enhancing focus. This could be either the airplane mode that you mentioned earlier or during the day. Uh, pattern interrupts. Reality interrupts. So Ooh, that means- expand on that. That's interesting. Yeah, just we get even we, we can even be in focused states where things are, are going well. And again, being in the same environment in the same state without novelty can really start to hinder our performance. So for me as an entrepreneur, of course, I'm, I'm blessed. But like, for example, in my home here in Scottsdale, when I'm working from my home office, I will do a pattern interrupt about five to 10 minutes. And that includes physical movement that includes hopping in the cold plunge pool. Now in the winter, it's cold, but getting or doing some breathing going for a walk. If you're in an office environment, maybe your pattern interrupts to do. So I used to, I used to do this when I was in corporate America, people thought I was crazy. So I was, we were on the 13th floor or 13 or 14th floor. I would, um, I would, uh, take the elevator down and then sprint up the stairs, take the elevator down. I did three rounds of that as a pattern interrupt. Guess how I felt when I came back to my desk, focused on fire, energized, more creative and more clear. So pattern interrupts are just toolkits that you can intersperse during your day to create that shift and get you back in a place of clarity. What book has significantly impacted your life other than your own, by the way, uh, and how you perform or show up in it? Oh, it's so good, man. I have a stack here that's massive. Um, yeah, I, uh, there's, okay. I can tilt my computer and we can compare if you want. <laughs> so there's two that come to mind. One is uh, Seth Godin's linchpin. I figured you were going to say that because you mentioned linchpin earlier and people don't <laughs> usually pick that word out. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a Seth Godin thing. Nice. That's classic. Maybe I like wired my brain because I didn't connect the dots until I was just about to say that because I had it in my mind because I used the word. But that's a great one if you just, if you, to commit to being the best at what you do, no matter what you're doing to create opportunities, whether you're working for somebody else or you're in your own business. And then the second would be just talking on focus, deep work by Cal Newport really changed the way that I think about work and all of the techniques that I just shared. I didn't get serious about them until I read that work, uh, that book. Cause I realized I was, I was doing myself a disservice and I was going to pay a hefty consequence for lack of attention. Tommy, this has been filled with a lot of just great tips for people. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. The book, everybody should go out and get it, but where can people 
find out more about you. Absolutely, man. And uh, again, your your ability to take leaps uh, has created this and your amazing platform, which I spent time researching and you guys do get so much value. So uh, Leap of Your Life is is the name of the book, uh, How to Redefine Risk, Quit Waiting for Someday and Live Boldly. It's out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any major book sellers, Apple, um, you can find it. And if this resonated and you want to go a little bit deeper on it, um, that's the best place. I also do have a podcast called The Resist Average Academy. And again, we have conversations like this where we maximize human performance and uh, and get you to a place of clarity. Beautiful. Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Boomer, keep crushing. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> Superhumans, all of these show notes for this one are going to be at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Tommy. Thank you guys for listening and have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally... For those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.